Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me now is Katie Whitehead, the founder and managing director of Divine Days. I am so, so excited to finally have Katie on the podcast to talk about this amazing organization that she has created and is so so successful so we're going to have a great chat about it but first welcome to the podcast how are you doing today Katie? I'm fine thank you thanks for having me really excited to talk to you. Take me back to why you decided to set up Divine Days and maybe sort of your childhood in the creative arts as well. Um well okay it's not something that you always think about but recently it's something that I have been thinking about where it all sort of started for me and Divine Days Community is an organization that has grown into something that tackles inequalities in health that's what I would say we are we're an organization that tackles inequalities in health in a variety of ways and and that really started when um, I suppose when I was a little girl, I was born in the 70s and my sister was born um, in 74 um, and I was born in 72 um, and Rachel was born with Down syndrome um, and in the, in the 70s and the 80s, the, um, the asylums were still well and truly going. I remember as a little girl in the 80s in Blue, on, on Blue Peter when they, when they finally um, closed um, the, the, the last asylum and it was it was a really big thing but that was in the 80s and so children like my sister were not really seen in the community um, and a, most most um, well, a lot of, of, of people with with additional needs especially down syndrome would would um, would go to an asylum or somewhere to to, to live um, and, and for my parents that was really really scary I remember as a little girl you know overhearing those conversations and I remember when my sister was sort of diagnosed and when they talked about uh, what she can do or what she could do what she'd be able to do what she might what her life might look like um so the practitioners um would would explain her life expectancy etc and my parents just were kind of like no no that's we, we don't want we're not having that so they said that she wouldn't walk she might talk um she certainly wouldn't read or write um so I just remember very vividly as a little girl mum and dad holding Rachel up against the you know she'd be at the wall and they'd be helping her you know to, to walk and and she she did so many wonderful things and so many creative very creative things Rachel was really creative she was very naughty in a gorgeous gorgeous way and she was always getting into trouble always getting me into trouble and I suppose as a woman um you know you have seasons within your life and um you know there's some seasons or some roles that don't ever really leave you so sadly Rachel uh lost a, a battle in um in 1992 so she, she was 18 but she had um incredible inc you know incredible impact on on probably everybody that knew her if I'm honest um and one of the roles that's never left me is the big sister. It's just never really left me at all. And so quite rightly so, I'm really happy that, that I have that instinct within me. Um, but also what's within me is sort of this battle about injustice and 
you know, being able to, um, when I was growing up, I, I was always watching Rachel get treated differently because of her disability and getting called names. And, you know, I remember vividly being dragged off <laughs> one girl, you know, the babysitter couldn't get my hands off her hair because I was yank, holding on to her shouting. She doesn't look, you know, she'd called her an awful name. And I was telling her that, you know, she was beautiful and, and that, you know, she, she shouldn't say that. Um, and so then it skipped to probably, I think I was about eight and Rachel would have been six. And so she joined my dance class. Rachel was just the best dancer in the world. She just loved, she had so much rhythm. Um, and they just asked her to leave the class. They just said that she was too disruptive. And, and so really, I never really remembered that bit. I, I've spoke about it recently because I, I was asked to think about where it started. And I think it started there. It started in that classroom where I was like, why? What? what, what why why would why would you stop someone from being creative and and so so as I got older and I, I moved into um my background is in art therapies I majored in drama um I then worked in the health and social care sector um sorry prior to that I worked in in, in management for for 10 years um and when I became a Christian later on in life I chose to revisit what what I you know what I was doing with 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 my with my um job life and with my work um and so I stepped out of of management um and I revisited um I revisited sort of that background around health and social care and I, I did another degree in um uh post compulsory education um and I, I asked myself when my husband was like, well, what, what is it that you want? What do you want out of life? You know, where do you want to? And, and, and so it was, it was to, to, to wake up in the morning and make a difference and make a change in people's lives, a positive change. And so that's really where it started. My creativity, I've always been a creative person. I've always been a Northern woman, matriarchal. I've got, you know, I grew up with matriarchal women around me. Um, I've always been a big sister. I've always fought for things. My dad used to take me on peace marches when I was little. Um, you know, I was, I was a junior member of the CND. You know, I've always fought, I was, I've grown up in that environment where if it's not right, you fix it. Um, if it's not, you know, if you can't fix it, you find someone that can. Um, you don't take no for an answer. Um, I've been called tenacious. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, rather like yourself, Lucy, on lots of lots of things on that, and and so therefore, yeah, I, I I became a creative practitioner. I was asked to deliver um, one of our both our mutual friends, Claire Glynn, asked me to deliver a um, creative dance uh, project for um, dancers with additional needs. I'd been working as a um, a creative arts practitioner uh, in Liverpool, um, running all the um, performing arts programs for adults with additional needs, um, and I decided that I would take a, a I would just take voluntary redundancy and look at setting something up on my own. Um, so Claire got me this commission, and it started from there. I mean, you, you know, I would um, we, we had like three or four dancers would come, and we were based in the Economical Centre uh, in. Scamsdale. Most of my our work is 
is um, based around SCEM, but we do work further afield. And yeah, and so I, I was approached by the CEO of the CVS, whose office, his office was above us, and he asked to speak to me, and I thought I was in trouble the music was too loud or something and he said you need to be a social enterprise and I was like what is a social enterprise I had no idea and we we started to look I started to learn about the whole idea of a CIC a community interest company uh, a company that's got social goals social value social change um, at its heart really um, and then that means that we're, as an organization, we're a nonprofit, so we can make profit, which our profit is really important to us. And we can then we plow our profit back into our organization. So we're not just relying on donations and grants. We have grants and donations, which were vitally important to us, but we also can um, work. We can make a profit as well, but that profit has to be plowed back. So um it grew, it grew and it grew sort of, it was 90, uh, 90 2013, we, uh, Divine Days was uh, registered with Company House and um, we started delivering creative programs, um, very small, um, and then it slowly grew because what happened, the, the creative part of the dance, people came to us for therapeutic reasons that they needed physical activity and therapeutic intervention and then what started to happen was that they'd create something that was beautiful that people would see and respond to and so the performance became something so we started to to, to take that performance out into the community and and, and we we were um we started to perform in schools and do workshops and our, our dancers would deliver the workshops and i would facilitate those we 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 started to be asked to be performed at um, NHS events and um, third sector events. So slowly we were becoming an organization that people um, were aware of that, that was around disabilities. And um, we then were very lucky, um, I think it was 2018, um, we, we were funded via the National Lottery. We had three years funding, which was hugely impactful. Um, and that helped us to, to really grow the business and help me to step back. Because we'd, we'd started a project called Community Connections as well, which, which deals with um, people that are struggling with poor mental health, managing long-term health conditions. Um, and then we were asked to because I was able to step back because of the funding, I was able to kind of like start to, um, to, 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 to drive the organization as to where the gaps were in our community. Um, I was asked to look at a piece of work around disabilities in crisis. Um, and so I started to, to think about my sister's journey and about the fears that my parents had. And, and again, we've got some mutual friends who, um, yeah, you know, they're, their, their children um, have got some level of, of, of additional need um, and, they're, they're, you know, they're uh, uh, sort of uh, educated and quite affluent families, but the barriers are still there and it's very difficult to support a young adult when they're moving and transitioning from education into the workplace. It's kind of a really frightening sort of minefield, really. Um, and actually when you talk about those young adults in a family situation that don't have those financial and social um, 
protection that that some people might have that live in a in a place such as um such as Skemsdale that uh, you know that's one of the mm. most um, deprived areas that's got the highest uh, infant mortality rate and um, you know those barriers and boundaries are huge so I started to think about crisis is a, a from a preventative measure and how do we how do we look at um as our learning disabled and disabled community um how do we support them when they're younger to become um well connected more resilient you know the currently five percent five percent of um the learning disabled and disabled population are employed you know which is an absolute travesty um, and if you ask when, when there was a huge survey done, you know, p young people with additional needs, you know, what would you like out of life? You know, what's important to you? Um, it was f to have a friend, to have friendships, to have um, good, you know, good good care, to be cared for, um, to have a job, um, to be part of something that if one day they couldn't get to it, they were missed by people. People wondered where they were. People cared where they were, why they weren't there. Um, and to me, they're very, very minimal you know that, that that's not huge expectations um and five percent of our of, of our workforce you know is is is, dis, is learning disabled which is again is a travesty so i started to think about well, what is it that we could do and where could we start so we looked at um national models that looked at in, supported internships that looked at how we could um support the young person moving, transitioning out of education um, and, and into, into the workplace. So we have a, a model that we work with. Um, we're now one of uh, the council's preferred suppliers, the local council's, local authorities' per, uh, preferred supplier. We work with um, West Lancs Community College. We're on our second year of delivery. We got commissioned by the CCG and the NHS to run a pilot scheme. And then now we're in our sort of third year, our second year of delivery. Um, we've got, I think it's nearly 18 um, young people. Last year's the class of 22. Um, they're all in either paid employment or um, further or higher education. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's that happened. And obviously people started to listen. And I think what's happened is because I can talk for till the cows come home and I don't come up for air and I'm incredibly passionate because I was able, because we got that lottery funding, I was able to do that and talk. Yeah. People were listening and I was kind of able to, to talk about um, the inequalities that, that are out there. Um, so as a result of that, we, are, we were then in a position to look at some of the other areas I see what we do as right from the beginning that the the, the, um, the child that has an additional need. So we, when we had the lottery funding, we were then able to sort of deliver more children's work. So um, children and babies work for complex needs. And, and really what was happening was that child, it, it's it's all those circles of support. It's all those things that are, that are around them that, that impact. So you know, a parent that's struggling, you know, waiting for a diagnosis, waiting for um, a child's EHCP, their education health care plan, you know, all those delays impact on the parent or the carer. Um, you know, there's a lot of, we saw a lot of poor mental health um, for, 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 for our carers. Essentially, a, a lot of the dads, the male carers were left behind it felt like there was a lot of things that the female carers could access but less 
for the males. So there was an opportunity for me to um, put forward another inequality that they wanted to see what, what else that we, we would um, like to focus on. So we, look, we decided we would like to focus on men's mental health. So we pitched with the NHS for um, Manake, which is our men's mental health, health project, which um, my husband heads up. So um, my husband, Richard, um, he ha he's had one full-time job the whole of his life, worked for the same organisation, loved his job, um, and then um, was made redundant um, just before the start of lockdown. And it kind of came at a really great time because he'd had, you know, a long longevity service, you know, um, redundancy good redundancy and everything and jumped into another job but unfortunately jumped into a job that he really did not like and that he was really challenged by and there was lots of challenges and from a man that went to work every single day bouncing to work just loved work just loved everything about it um he stopped liking going to work and he stopped he stopped enjoying that and um we joke really because before he got that job I said well come and work for divine days and he was like I can't think of anything worse working for my wife or with my wife should I say so um then he, we, then after that um he did find something else that was worse than working with me and we then <laughs> looked <laughs> then we looked at you know what what that would look like and Rich retrained and he heads up um Manakee. we've had um in the 18 months uh, we've had 60, 60 referrals and those men are um were all there's a matrix so it's like um one to ten and one is that they've um tried to take their own life or that they're seriously considering that um and all our men came to us um on a one or a two and um most of our men are now a six um and no one's less than a four. Um, and we haven't lost, we haven't lost any of our men. There's, we, we, we've not lost one of them. Um, and, and, and we see what we do as, as kind of like the, the sort of, a, 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 the family of how the, how the modern day, how our, how our people, how our communities, how the people we support, those layers, so the child and the father and the mother, and as they're getting older, you know, my mum's just been diagnosed as having, um, well, not just, but she was diagnosed with, with dementia. And so, you know, the Community Connections Project started to grow. And, you know, as, as, as different seasons in my life, it's evolved and changed. So yeah. I, I don't head up the, um, the dance projects, you know, another, and somebody else heads that up now. I head up the organisation as a whole because I found that my passion is inequality and what's, what's, what can we change? What can we do? Um, so create. Sorry, go on. So, how did you come up with the name? What divine days? Yeah, how did that come about? Well, so really, what had happened was I was in retail management for ten years, and I became a Christian, and all of a sudden things were like, oh, it just doesn't fit right anymore. It's like I got a jacket on that just didn't fit, and it was all just really difficult. And I was coming home, and you know, it was in the days where, um, yeah, you had to kind of. It was very hard. We were man as management style was very very authoritative and you know it's non-negotiable and all that sort of thing and I had to go in and um, re 
we all had to reapply for our position. So I had to go and reapply for my position. And they said, um, oh, that was brilliant. I had a presentation. That was great, Katie, brilliant. Um, we just need to take the Katie out of that. And then that's great. So I was like, oh my, what? So I came home and I was saying to Richard, oh God, I don't want to lose the Katie. I don't know what, I mean. I don't know what it means. And I just, Rich was like, right, that's it. It's okay, that's it. Just, it's okay. You don't need to go back. So um, I didn't. And we'd like worked out how long I'd got, you know, how we'd got financially and everything. He said, you've got six months. So I was like, right, okay. And then I woke up and I was like, I don't know what to do. So I went to see our vicar, um, Neil Short at the time. And um, I was crying. <laughs> and um, yeah, so they do what the, our church always did was, you know, like, um, oh, well, there's this thing happening or there's this thing happening. why'd you go here why'd you go there so I just started to help people really I just started to um look at what it might be that would drive me um and I used to help an old man um look after him and then I started supporting a young girl with additional needs and I also started to paint um I never I just did not stop painting I, I didn't think I was an artist but I just never I just didn't stop I painted every single day um and then people started to like buy my artwork um and it was like okay and then people started to get married as well so I think I just got married 2005 and I'd done everything and done all the you know um all the what do you call them you'll know Lucy won't you the favors and oh, yeah. I'd, I'd done everything myself and so then quite a lot of people that were getting married um were like oh would you do our favors would you do our table would you do this would you do that so when I went to speak to Neil Short to our vicar he was like um you're so creative Katie you know you're so um this and that why don't you do that you know and I, we were praying about it and stuff and um and he said you should call yourself divine divine days and I was like Oh my gosh, Neil, as a vicar, that is incredibly creative. I love that name because I'm very flamboyant. So I say divine all the time, but then it's got like this whole sort of other element as well to it. So that was where divine days came because I was 100 reliant on my faith. And, you know, and I still am actually. I mean, the fact that we've grown from where we were to where we are now, the fact that, you know, my husband works for the organization, we have 11 staff um you know we've uh yeah we've, we were on other provisions as well so advice guidance to befriending families with additional needs so yeah that's that's where divine days came from and it was originally divine days creative arts and but now we're divine days community because we feel that that kind of um sort of better shows who we are however creativity is at the heart of everything that we do um you know we believe that creativity allow releases people from from um where they are and it reconnects them with what they might have done or used to do or have missed um yeah so that's kind of where we are now I mean we're I think yeah we've we've won quite a lot of awards we've we, you know we do, we're doing really we do, we're doing really well um sure and and what's it like so obviously you started on your own and you've like, yeah. got 11 members of staff now Richard mm -hmm. works with you What's it like sort of husband and wife in terms of at the end of the day when you finish work? 
<laughs> well, we, we don't see each other really. Yeah, we don't see each other at work. I love working at home. Um, if you could see me now, I'm in my little snug that Rich built me. Um, so I love working at home. And Richard loves working in an office away from me. Um, and yeah, no, we we are such different people. We've got such different qualities and um, different skill sets. So it's kind of like, I desperately need, Richard was always, always actively involved in the business before he started working for it. He was a financial director, you know, right from the word go. And I couldn't do this without him. Um, and so when he comes in, we, 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 we have to kind of like timetable, you know, like work talk and kids talk. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, because I can't cope when I'm just eating my tea and Richard will go, oh, Da, 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 da. and I'm like I'm, I'm eating my tea and equally I do it to him as well so we kind of like have we schedule in conversation time where we talk where we're talking about work and where we're we're do, we, you know we're doing that because I think work-life balance is really really important hugely yeah. important but we're really really sort of blessed to kind of both do jobs that we absolutely love um that we have that sort of freedom with because I, you know, I was always really passionate about being able to be there for my kids and, um, and make, you know, I always wanted to be. I'm an older mum. I, I didn't have my daughter till I was 39, um, and my um, my son, we adopted my son when I was 45, I think. So um, we, yeah, I, I wanted to be able to do it with bells on, um, and, and running your own organisation um, allows you to allows you to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, being with being us being in it together make, is makes all the difference really. Um, and now he works for us with us. He understands. Yeah, we sort of have that shared, yeah. shared experience really with it. And like the people say, like if the children start with you and then they grow up and they use all the other sort of things that you provide it's kind of like um you've got them from the get-go and you've got all the facilities to the end and also the creative gene that you have very much flows in your family with your daughter and everything yeah what 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 can listeners do or what what can you know if if someone's listening who has a child or an adult with additional needs or what kind of things can people do or if they like the idea of the organization and maybe want to volunteer what options are there for people well, there's lots of options. I mean, obviously, I would I would signpost you to our to our um, website, which is www.divinedays.co.uk, um, and on there is all the um, projects that we deliver. But there's also a lot of the partnerships that we work with as well. And one of our organisations, one of our projects, sorry, is Gateway Support, which is advice, guidance, and befriending. Um, and you can just pick up the phone or send an email and ask the question. Um, um, you know, we, we, we've got we've got some funding to support families um, and nav- navigate that pathway, really, of what support and advice is out there. But also what we deliver, we, you know, we deliver a variety of programmes, but because we're a social enterprise, we're part of a, a um, sort of the third sector family almost of social enterprises and charities. And we are able to really help you yeah find the support that you need we we partner with a lot of other organizations um which make us stronger so we can't deliver everything we, we you know but we we partner um mm. with organizations like twinkle house and an inclusive future you know all those um links 
if you are struggling or hitting a brick wall or waiting for a diagnosis or want your child to be involved in something but that it isn't dance or you know you're wondering what, what, how you could access a, a gymnastic class or you know a, a, anything you know come to us ask the question there is an info at divinedays.co.uk um email as well where you can ask any questions and we can uh, but there is also a phone number that you can ring for advice and guidance um but and do you know then, what though like your organization shouldn't be a thing in the ideal world yeah additional needs and people with without yeah. needs should be able to dance together um, they? and it's it's a shame but it's it's excellent what you do, and I'm not meaning you shouldn't be. At no, that. no, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, in I an ideal word, we should be able to be hand in hand. Absolutely, and I think one of the projects that we've grown, we've developed, is the uh, Divine Inspiration, which is very much that. So it's a mainstream dance organisation with um, with our organisation. So all our dancers dance together, able bodied um, and disabled, which is really really important. But I do feel. Um, my, my, my son has um, some levels of difficulty um, and he has toxic stress and developmental trauma and I had an experience where um, we were at a theme park and I was queuing for him and um, we had we had a pass because he got a, a hidden disability and the way that we were spoken to and the way that we were dealt with was just ridiculous and just wrong but my point is is that sometimes in order to be treated the same or to have the feeling that we are the same, we do have to be treated slightly different, or we do have to have a different approach in order for us to shine. And I think that's where we come in. And I think it's very important that we are of a world where we are hand in hand, but in order to stand hand in hand and equal, you can't treat everyone the same because our bodies can't do the same. And let's take dance. Dance is very inclusive, but incredibly exclusive. And if your body does not hit a particular movement, then that movement is incorrect and you won't be able to proceed in a mainstream environment. So what we deliver is we try and help uh, especially our performances is, is that how can we shine? How can our dancers shine? How can we allow our dancers bodies to move in a way that is beautiful and creative and how can we change people's perceptions of what is beautiful so I totally understand what you're saying and I think that's totally right but I think like I remember someone said to me you know if you had two cans of if you had two tin cans and the labels had been taken off them you know you don't know what's inside. You can't take one out and just put it on your apple pie because, you know, what if it, the other one was baked beans? So, you know, you've got baked beans. You can't treat it the same. You can't treat the, the tin the same. And I think it's it's having that understanding so that when our dancers do perform, like um, a couple of weeks ago, they were at the Can You Dance convention at Liverpool. They met OT Mabuse. Oh, my God, it was incredible. They just had the best time. You know, and our dance troupe, we 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 collaborated with Inspiration School of Dance. We've got mainstream dancers, and that allowed the performance to just look incredible. Whereas, you know, if we put our dancers on there and put a genre of dance and said, right, off you go, do that genre, then that genre would highlight what our bodies can't do, not what our bodies can do. So I think there's that 
I'm very proud of our collaboration group because we do hold, we walk hand in hand, but we, we have to, we have to dance to a completely different beat in order to dance and reach people, if that makes sense. Yeah. We can't walk in a straight line. We have to go in yeah. a different, yeah, if that makes so sense. My final question is kind of like, what's next? Have you anything in the pipeline or anything like that you have not? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the dream, the dream really, and we're in the pipeline, um, is when you have a baby and your baby is born with additional needs, I don't want that to be a sad day. I don't want that to be a day where, you know, parents are sad and, and frightened. I want that to be a day where people get around them and say, you know what, this is not what you expected. It wasn't what you were hoping for, but it's but it's okay. And, and that we can wrap around families so that right from the beginning, so that we are part of a wider organization of organizations that help and link and support so that there's somebody with you journeying with you right the way through so that um you know you you don't you might not know what the future looks like but you understand some of those rites of passage because I think families you know and obviously Lucy this you know will touch you know your family's experience it's like you know future milestones is also vague when you have an additional need of whatever level and that level of anxiety you don't know what school your child's going to you don't know how they're getting there you never know till last minute you don't know whether they can go to mainstream school what that's going to look like what support you're going to get so what what we want to be is the gateway support I spoke about we want our gateway um to be that gateway into um I know it sounds crass but uh, you know and a bit but I don't care into a better world that gateway into a future so that actually that day when your child has been diagnosed is not a day where you go oh my god what are we going to do it's a day of well okay it's not what we expected however there's a gateway there, the people are there, we can go there, we can get advice, we can get support. Um, so that's the next, that's the next step. Well, I just want to thank you very much for coming on today and chatting about that. It was really interesting and I think everyone will be able to hear how passionate you are about it. So thanks, Katie. <laughs> thank you. Oh, if anyone wants to support us, we have got a Just Giving page as well. Um, so if you just go onto the info app, we can we can, we can help you. Um, we can help part you with your money if you would like to support us. And we're always looking for volunteers. Um, we, you know, we've got such a lot of projects and we, we need very special people that have got a heart for, for caring. So um, we're always looking for, for volunteers. So please, uh, yeah, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.